growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Hello and welcome all you techies, trekkies, wookies and fookies. This is The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com, and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. Our guest today is the beloved Kirk Reed, affectionately known as Captain Kirk. He's the founder of Captain Kirk's Edibles, based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's now a three-time Cannabis Cup winner. Kirk's journey into the edibles field began, like so many others, out of necessity. Suffering from multiple sclerosis, he was in the hospital recovering when a close friend brought him a marijuana-laced edible. He tried it, and surprise, it worked. And since then, he's been hard at work developing tasty recipes and whipping up cannabis-infused treats for both local patients as well as celebrities such as Tommy Chong and Willie Nelson. Both are huge fans of Kirk's infused key lime cheesecake. Kirk's not only a graduate of Oaksterdam University, he's also a certified OU instructor teaching both infusion and extraction techniques to patients who want to learn how to make medicinal quality edibles at home. When he's not in the kitchen, he's traveling and advocating for the cause. As a member of Normal and Americans for Safe Access, he speaks at public events on a regular basis, championing the cause of marijuana decriminalization and legalization. Today, he's here to talk with us about all things edible. Welcome to The Grow Show, Captain Kirk. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be a part of it. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. It was a great time hanging with you at the Hash Bash, the Ann Arbor Hash Bash. Ah, the Monroe Street Fair. That was a great time this year with Tommy Chung. Man, I got to tell you, that key lime cheesecake was out of this world. It was, it was amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, and I'm happy to say that I did not overindulge. It was uh, very good advice for, for you to tell me that the real power was in the glaze on the top, so I was able to indulge on a little bit more of the cheesecake and the crust without going overboard on the glaze, which was absolutely fantastic as well. Thank you. So tell me about this medicinal treat your friend brought to you in the hospital. What was it, and what did it do for you that the pharmaceuticals weren't? Well, when I was laying in the hospital, they really didn't want to give me any medications because they said I was a drug seeker due to my blood being so high in THC. Interesting. So when a friend of mine brought me a muffin, it was a muffin that did it for me. They called him the Muffin Man. And when Doug brought me that, I woke up, and there was a note that said, Brother, glad to see you get some rest. Love you, and we'll talk soon. And from that point right then and there, I thought, wow, something like that can do this much to me compared to a Dilata or anything else. This is a lot better. So I decided at that moment right then and there that this is what I would do for the rest of my life. And nice. that's what started me in the edible. And from what I understand, you were one of the people who put the very first dispensary on the East Coast. Is this when you were a grower? Um, back then, that is correct, and, and, and very big into the advocating, and that was actually Third Coast in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which again, back in that time, was the very first dispensary on the East Coast that took on anything, and there I produced the first edible that came out, but yeah, those were some challenges back in the day, and again, that was before Colorado was, you know, legal or anything, so those days were really crazy and still are to this day in my state. That's really cool. I mean, so you also put out the first East Coast edible. What, what was it? 
It was actually a blueberry muffin. Nice. A little ode to the muffin man, right? That it was, yes, sir. So is this dispensary still in business today? It absolutely is, along with about 10 more in its vicinity and 12 or 13 more in the neighboring center of Ann Arbor. So yeah, they've done very well. That's great, man. I mean, listeners may or may not know, but I spent almost six years living in Michigan in the Detroit area. So I made quite a few friends there and left my mark there. Spoke at the Ann Arbor Hash Bash a few times, but I hadn't been there in 15 years. And man, was it a time. I mean, it was a packed street. The Diag was packed and the snow started coming down. And what did everybody do? We just rejoiced. It was so much fun. It seemed like the more the snow came down, the more people came out. (laughs) It did seem that way. You know, I just saw it as a true rejoicing over, uh, I think the, you know, the Michiganders were so happy that spring was actually here and maybe this was the last snow of the year. What do you think? I'm hoping so, but I'm pretty sure that will be. But you never know about Michigan. If you don't like the weather, just wait around a minute. That's what they say. (laughs) That's funny. So did you have any sort of experience in the kitchen before you decided to delve into medibles? Actually, I'm not a trained chef. I grew up in the South coming from the old school to where, you know, my aunt or my grandmother or something like that, you know, you would be in the kitchen and slap you upside the head. Boy, did you see what I'm doing? And you would return and say, yes, ma'am, I did. And pretty much that's where my cooking came from was the old Southern school style of you know, aunts, mothers, grandmas, you know, and and cuisine like that. So that's basically where mine came from. Well, there's an old saying that says, the master has failed more than the beginner has tried. So what would you say was your most memorable flop in the kitchen, something you'll never make again? (laughs) I wouldn't actually call it a flop, but one of the hardest things that I ever created was called the Oklahoma Sweet Cake. And I entered it into the San Bernardino Cup in high times probably about two or three years ago. And I really, really worked hard on this creation. It was a very technical dessert. The packaging alone was breathtaking and time-taking, so to say. And, again, I entered it in the competition out there. I was really proud of it. I got everything up there. I was sponsored at that point in time. Boy, I I can't remember his name. But anyway, at this point in time, I forgot to, I got so excited about the cup, I forgot to put the label on there for the dosing. And therefore, it was disqualified and didn't even place. So, and it was such an amazing treat and, and something that I worked so hard on and, and really had a good memory behind it. And it, I haven't made it since then. Not because it wasn't good or, or whatever. It was just the memory of me doing something and leaving something not so stupid. Sure. Hey, it happens to the best of us. If you had to pick just one... Which one of your creations would you say is your best? Probably my key lime cheesecake is what I'm well known for. (laughs) It's funny you should say that. Tell us about how you met Willie Nelson. How did he become a fan of your infused key lime cheesecake? I met Willie Nelson through a gentleman named Paul Stanford in Oregon who runs the Hemp and Cannabis Foundation. And he's also a caregiver for Willie. And uh, it turned out, you know, he was having a, a show. And, you know, I said something about I'd like to take a key lime cheesecake because I heard he liked edibles. And I did. And the entire family enjoyed it. Willie, along with his sister and the rest of the band and the family. And when they came back again, they actually asked for me. And I've been able to meet 
and present my key lime cheesecake to Willie and his family three times now. That's fantastic. So you've won three High Times Cannabis Cup awards. Congrats on that. Tell us a little about your award-winning entries. What were they? Thank you. I've actually won three first place with High Times and a second place. My first one that I won was with the Key Lime Cheesecake here in Detroit, Michigan. The second cup that I won was in Seattle. That was the Seattle's very first cup that High Times put on. And that was with a gingerbread cake truffle and a sugar-free Buckeye. And a Buckeye is chocolate and peanut butter. The third one that I won was here in Michigan. And that was first place that I won that one with. And that was what we called lime in the coconut. Basically <laughs> had the same lime sauce that you enjoyed on the cheesecake, but it was made with a pretzel crust and had some other components to it that made it very nice. And then the fourth one that I won, I actually won second place with this last year in Michigan, was with the uh, Truffle Tropicalis, which I made for Tommy Chong. You and your wife enjoyed one on the bus also. Mm -hmm. Those were gluten-free and sugar-free, and I came in second place with that. And I couldn't believe it because I hate sugar-free, gluten-free treats because I don't really consider them treats. But, man, I got to tell you, you have a talent. You have a real talent. The big thing for me is when I'm eating an edible, I want it to really taste like a tasty treat. I, I want to get buzzed off of it, but your edibles don't have that, uh, that really strong cannabis flavor that some people can't seem to, to get around. We got to take a quick break here to show our sponsors some Grow Show love. So sit back, take a smoke break, and we'll be right back with more Captain Kirk. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton, and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to The Grow Show on CannabisRadio.com. We are speaking today with Captain Kirk Reed of Kirk's Edibles. And man, I got to tell you, your edibles are some of the best I've ever tasted in my life. And I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing and you found your true calling. Tell us what Oaksterdam courses did you take and how did it help you in developing your infusion skills? 
Actually, when Oaksterdam University came out here, they brought Ed Rosenthal in, and that's actually when I very first made my very first key lime cheesecake. That's actually who I made it for was Ed Rosenthal. Basically went to their class, you know, learned everything that they had there. They came back a second time here to Michigan, and I helped Dale and them outrun that one also, so I was actually kind of a, a two-time graduate of it. And, you know, help them out in the edibles part of it. It was um, very interesting with all the information they brought from California to here to see the difference. And they were able to help out in a lot of ways. Introductions to a lot of people. And, again, my first time that I ever made my key lime cheesecake was to impress Ed Rosenthal. And that's where that actually came from. And from there, it's it's carried on from yourself that's had it to all the folks in high times, to Willie Nelson, to major people on down the line in Colorado. So it's been a blessing for sure. That's really cool. I mean, Edible Arrangements has got nothing on you. You're like uh, Metables to the Stars. You might want to look up that .com. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually been able to infuse it in just about everything except gum. That's something I haven't been able to master. But doing it into meats like lobster, ham, turkeys, Mm. they made a uh, full-course Thanksgiving meal from everything was medicated from the rolls to the the bread. The actual thing of medicating is not really to knock people out. Edibles, in my opinion, should be made from quality with a lot of love. But you have to think in mind, edibles are made for folks that are able to go to work. And they want to be able to work without smelling like cannabis or being knocked out. Therefore, if you do everything in mild doses and, and they can do this within their system, let's say if you're going to give a, a patient 100 milligrams, well, they can't take for the most part, patients can't take a whole hundred milligrams at once without being kind of sleepy or drowsy. But if mm-hmm. you bust that up in about four pieces and give them 25 milligrams at a time, they're able to function. They're not going to smell like pot. They're not going to be passed out. They're not going to be glassy-eyed. And therefore, they can go to work and be productive people in society without having to drink or take pain pills or anything else. Those are really important points, and I'm I'm glad that you brought those up. I just want to mention that my production assistant, Diane, is dying to meet you and learn about your infused meats and, and such. I am as well. For everybody out there, can you share any resources for people who are looking to learn about doing some home infusing? The best resources I can really say, um, you know, look me up on the Internet. I don't know too many people doing it. I have seen a lot of people doing things wrong. The one thing that I pride myself on is quality or quantity. I make sure, Kyle, before anything that's even made into an edible, here's how I, I do steps. Great. If you go to the dispensary, what we have here in Michigan, I go and I gather up the, the flour that I'm going to use. At that point in time when I walk in there, that medicine is tested. I know everything about it. I know it's THC content. I know it's CBDs. I know every compound about it. The main thing that I'm looking for, not only can I mathematically take those numbers and figure out my dosing and, again, have it tested, but the thing that I'm looking for is to make sure that there's no mold, mildew, or spider mites or any other kind of thing in there contaminated that I don't want to be putting into my lungs or patients' lungs or into their system. If I have that clear bill of self from the testing facility, I then, therefore, take it from there and I'll either make it into a dry ice key for butter or whatever that's needed for that certain recipe, then again, I will have that tested to make sure that it's correct before I even make any kind of compound. In my opinion, everything that you do or put out should be done through, and again, I'm not a spokesperson or or anything for a testing facility, but I do believe it's very important that those tests match what your label is put onto that 
candy or whatever it is you're putting out there for accuracy. This is not just for the government. This is for a patient so they know exactly how much it's in there. It's not someone just sitting at home guessing, oh, well, you know, I, I dropped in seven grams, man. We're going to call it 300 <laughs> milligrams. And we're going to write that on the label and pass it out there. That's not yes. how things should be. And what no. you mentioned earlier about edibles, I strive to try and take that plant taste out of there. But you will have the placebo effect. And I've had those folks, hey, man, you know, I can't really taste the cannabis in there. You know, you didn't put anything in there. Well, give me about 35, 40 minutes yeah. to come back and talk to me. Yeah, you know what? And with they edibles, come back. Wow, man. Is exactly with edibles. You know, you don't got to uh, worry about anybody getting high. If you if you've done your job, no matter who eats it, they're going to get the feeling from it. You said something in that explanation about infused or dry iced tea. What were you saying there? I was talking about the different techniques used in, in cooking. You can make anywhere from the butter. You can do the dry ice extraction, which is one of my favorites to use, mm-hmm. but it's not something that you want to use in every recipe, and I'll give you an example of that. If I was making ice cream or homemade medicated ice cream, I really wouldn't want to put dry ice teeth in there, and for the reason being, it would come out sandy, so, you know, kind of a gritty taste. So what would I use in that difference there if I wasn't adding into the original scratch homemade ice cream? You would put butter and milk. You could infuse it down in that way. Or you could use the Simpson oils, or you could use the concentrates, depending and making sure that they're clean and, and done correctly. You can do those things, and that also depends on your patient that you're helping. And then you cool. need to find out if that patient is wanting a sativa for work or if they're wanting an indica at night, because you certainly wouldn't want to give a patient at night a sativa that's looking for something to give them to sleep, and you give them a sativa and they're up all night going crazy. So those are things that you have to <laughs> take into consideration to make sure that you're labeling on there sativa's hybrid and because for those facts also. Exactly. And, you know, it can't be understated that consistency in edibles is just as important as the quality. It's not like taking a hit off of a doobie. And if you take an extra hit or two, you might be a little too high for 20 minutes or a half an hour or an hour. But if you eat a little bit too much medibles, what can happen to you, Kirk? Uh, you'll probably much, pretty much go to sleep. And the best thing to do then is, you know, go lay down, close your eyes, write it out, try and ingest something, you know, like a piece of bread or something. But it's not going to kill you unless someone has been, you know, feeding you some terrible bud that was, you know, full of mold and mildew, which is something that does scare me because a lot of folks that have just jumped into the edible business, Kyle, do not take those kind of precautions. And they're making edibles with, what I would call unsafe flour. And I'll tell you, I had a gentleman tell me one time, he says, you know what, Captain Kurt? He says, hey, you can take material that's got mold and mildew in it and you can blast it and it will kill everything in there. Well, I had to look back at him and said, you know, I disagree with you. And I, and I spoke to him in front of Danny Danko and I, I told Danny this. I said, this guy's telling me, you know, if you take a moldy plant and you go, and you go to blast it, it kills everything in there. Well, Danny well, came back with the it. best reply I ever heard. And that was? Well, he looks back and Danny says, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to put anything into my body that's had Mulder Milton. Great answer. Exactly. Well, you're a big advocate for bringing communities together. And as we, we know, actions speak louder than words. And tell me how you came up with Dabaween. What is Dabaween? Dabaween was an event I put together. I was in the hospital in September last year from an MS attack and I was really miserable. Our community really needs to come together. There's just all kinds of factions and 
and stuff that needed to come to unity. So I thought I would put on a great big Halloween thing and, and unify it. And it was really basically called a unity party called Bury the Hatchet. And that's the original name was Bury the Hatchet. But at this point in time, I was going through a situation of a girlfriend who didn't like dabbing. And I was trying to really kind of irritate her. So I came up with <laughs> dabbling. And again, this is while laying in the hospital. And when I came up with this, I would say for the next four or five days, my doctor kept coming into my hospital room. You need to get off the phone. You need to relax. You need to do this and this. But to make a long story short, I raised $15,000. And by, you know, this was in the first part of September. By the end of October on Halloween night, October 31st, I put a party together with some other folks that were helping me out. It was just not myself. But over 430 people attended. We had... Everything was catered in there. The, the food that we had was immaculate. We had a fortune teller there. We had a magician there. We had a crystal ball there. We had dancing. We had giveaways. Everything absolutely free for my community. There was people there that could not get along together that actually sat and medicated together and had a good time. For one night, we all had to act like adults. We had a costume contest. We gave out over $1,000 in prizes for the costume contest. And everything was absolutely free. No one could pay anything to come. No raffles were done for anyone to make money. This was a unity thing and all done by sponsors that I'd put together in the hospital. And we threw a great big party. This year, we're going to do it again, Dabbling too. And there's a lot of folks in the Upper Peninsula, as you know, Kyle, that don't have a lot of money and can't make it down here to this area. So this year, we're going to throw a party down here and we're going to throw one up in the UP and we're going to Skype them together on great big... Oh, you know, canvases so everybody can see each other partying from the end of that state up here down to the end of this state. And again, it will be the absolute same theme, unity and everything for free. That is awesome. And it sounds like a great success. And I'm so glad you're doing that. I've got just enough time for one more quick question. And I, I want you to give us your best advice for properly dosing homemade edibles for for novices. My actual thing to that would be make sure you get a few books on edibles, read about it. Make sure that you learn and understand what e-carboxylation is. That's very important to understand. Make sure that you know your butter technique. If you're going to do it by hand or if you're going to do it using a magic butter machine, those are things that you really need to know. Actually, you need to learn your, your processes of RSO. You need to understand your waxes. You need to basically understand every component that there is if you're going to get into the edible business. I was more addressing the question to the consumer rather than the producer, someone who is unfamiliar with consuming edibles. What advice would you give them for making sure that they don't overdo it? Spend some time talking to that person. Know your patient because everyone is different. The same as you and me taking a pill, for example, given by the hospital or whatever, it's going to affect me different than it does you. The same way morphine would affect me different than you or so again, it's actually talking to that person, finding out about their illness. Are they a first-time cannabis user? Because that's very important to find out if this is the first time they use cannabis. You certainly don't want to give that patient a 100 milligram or a 300 milligram edible. Let them go home and take it because what they're going to do is probably scare the heck out of them and they won't want to use that again. And that's not something that we want to do in our community. The, the main thing, a rule of edibles is go low and go slow. Start out two or three milligrams if it's their first time. That may not sound a lot like to you and I, seasonal people, but again, you have to remember the first-time patients or elderly people that have never tried this before 
Our main goal is to help them relieve their pain, not scare them. So easily walk them into it, you know, two or That's three right, milligrams man. here and there and let them, you know, an hour later goes on. Well, I'm not feeling nothing. Okay, we'll give them two or three more milligrams until they start to feel it. But one thing you never want to do is hand a first-time user someone very strong because that, that's just not right, and it can be very scary. It won't kill them, but you can nope. scare them very bad to where you give them a bad experience. Won't kill anybody, but a bad edible experience is certainly memorable. Unfortunately, Kirk, we're running yes. out of time already in this segment, but I want to give you a second. I want to thank you for being here, and I want to give you a second to uh, tell the listeners how best they could reach you, maybe a website or an email address. Uh, the best way to reach Captain Kurtz Edibles is through Facebook. I'm not a real techie guy. I'm trying to learn. I do have one of those Instagram things coming out, but I don't know how to use it yet, but I'm learning. So the best way to reach me is there, or you can reach me at OK underscore Kirk, K-I-R-K, three zero at yahoo.com. Well, thank you. And everybody out there, I just want to reiterate that if you really are interested in really quality edibles, look this guy up and try to find him on the uh, cannabis circuit or out in Michigan. Right now, we have to take another break for our sponsors, but we'll be right back with Ask Kyle. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. From John B., we have our first question. How do you get your trees that big? Oh, well, you know, I like calling them trees just like you do, John. And, you know, it takes patience. It does take a little bit of skill and familiarity with the plant. 
It's really watts. Watts equals grams. And you need a decent amount of light in order for the plant to produce a lot of biomass. So, for example, if you're outdoors and you don't get a lot of sun that season, you know, you're not going to get big produce, whether it's vegetables or marijuana. And indoors, if you don't have a lot of light, you're not going to get big trees. You have to learn how to get that light to the plant in an efficient manner without burning it, having hot spots, things like that. The other thing is try to minimize internodal spacing, which means the distance between each set of leaves. And when the light is too far away or not bright enough, the plants stretch. And you want to minimize that stretching because that keeps your colas tighter and longer. So yeah, so you know, it just takes a little bit of practice. Watts equals grams. Remember that, John. From Mark G., what is the most you've ever harvested? Hmm. You know, in the days of illegal guerrilla farming, that could be a very incriminating question. But seeing as we've turned the corner a little bit, I'm going to say that the most that I have ever been involved in harvesting would be an outdoor crop up in Mendocino. And it was not 100% legal, probably. But, you know, we're just talking here, telling stories. And, you know, that was about 250 pounds, filled up a couple of trucks, And it was very interesting driving down the 101 to the uh, place where they wanted to dry it and process it with tarps over the backs of pickup trucks filled with marijuana. That was some interesting times. From Angel P, how do I get denser flowers? Again, that has to do with light intensity, first and foremost. It is a genetic thing, but it's about getting a lot of watts to the plants without burning them. That involves good airflow keeping your temperatures low, and blasting those plants with uh, high-intensity light. Well, everybody, unfortunately, we are out of time again. I want to thank you for submitting your questions. If you do want to submit questions, just send it to Diane, D-I-A-N-E, at KyleCushman.com, or go to our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash The Grow Show. You can also tweet questions to at Radio using hashtag The Grow Show. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time again. I want to thank our guests and producers for making this show possible. Please make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media and upcoming events that I'll be attending. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show every Wednesday by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. Please remember that kindness is addictive. And as always, stay lifted. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.